to the VU Church Podcast. God wants to give you a new perspective for your pain. What you see as an obstacle, God sees as an opportunity. In today's message, special guest Pastor Robert Madu shares on our miracle-working God in this message, The Law of 5020. Next week, join us for a new collection of talks, Wait Till I Get My Money Right. Managing, maximizing, and multiplying God's money. For more info, visit voochurch.com slash money. Now let's lean into the message together. This is chapter 50. Uh, starting at verse number 15, when you're ready to read it, say, yeah. yeah. If you need some time to find Genesis, say, hold on. I was going to say, first book of the Bible. Amen. <laughs> it says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgressions of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God. I want to pause right there. It's your Bible. It's a free country. Do whatever you want. But if I were you and you got a paper Bible, I would highlight, circle, underline, put a little star next to those two words right there. But God, those are some powerful words right there. But God, if there were ever two words that had the power to change the trajectory of your life, is those two words right there. But God, I'm wondering if there's anybody at any of the locations that's standing as a testimony of the power of but God. I would have lost my mind, but God. I started not to come to church today, but God. I would have slapped you back, but God. Are you thankful for the power of a but God? I'm getting ahead of myself. He said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Better than me, Joseph. (laughs) Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. So much in this passage, but I really want to hone in on that verse number 20. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many should be kept alive as they are today. I want to preach today just using this as a title, the law of 5020. The law of 5020. The power in that one verse, verse 20, the law of 5020. Do me a favor, look at your neighbor, whichever one you like the best, and just say, neighbor. <laughs> Y'all are scared to talk to your neighbor. I hope you're doing it at DD and City. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, there's power in the law of 5020. If you believe God's going to speak, give him some praise in here today. 
<laughs> Father, have your way. Amen. The law of 5020. Anybody in here broken the law lately? That's how I want to start. Can I see your hand? If you, I'm playing. I'm playing. Don't lift your hand up. <laughs> we got cameras everywhere at every location. Put your hand back down. Uh, don't tell on you. I'll, I'll tell on me. I'll tell on me. I'll, I'll be vulnerable at VU. I uh, have broken the law. I've broken the law. And before you judge me, before I tell you this, before you judge me, you need to know this happened a long time ago. This is in my past. Okay, this is in my past. This happened, oh my goodness, what, uh, two years ago. Um, <laughs> And before I even tell you what happened, I have to make this confession. I am a horrible driver. I'm a horrible driver. You don't want to be in the passenger seat with me. I'm a horrible driver, primarily because I am a deep thinker. I'm a deep thinker. Most of my sermons and my illustrations, I'm thinking about always in my head. So sometimes when I'm driving, I lose track of things like red lights and all kinds of things. So uh, two years ago, true story, I am driving to our 6 p.m. service deep in thought, just contemplating the word of God. And I'm so deep in thought that I didn't notice that for like four minutes, lights were behind me. And an officer was chasing me. And I was so deep in thought, so much so that I didn't even notice till I hear on the intercom, pull over the car now. I said, oh, those lights are for me. So I pull over the car and I go to the side. The officer came out. Oh, he was on one. He was mad. He came straight up to the window. He said, is everything okay? I said, yes, sir, it is. Matter of fact, I'm blessed and highly favored. Are, are you good? <laughs> He goes, did you see me following you like the last four minutes with my lights flashing? I said, sir, I did not. Matter of fact, I was not cognizant or aware of the fact that you were following me. Matter of fact, it is an oddity or a rarity that I'm even pulled over ever. I have an impeccable driving. I get real articulate when I get pulled over. And I said, I'm so sorry. He goes, uh -huh. where, where are you headed? I said, well, first of all, I'm a pastor. Had to throw that in there. <laughs> I said, I'm a pastor. And true story, he looks in the car. I have never more wished that I had on a collar or something. He looks in the car at my J's, my jeans, and my hoodie and goes, you're a pastor. <laughs> I said, yes, sir. He said, get out the car. Get out the car. I'm playing. No, he didn't play. <laughs> he said, oh, you're a pastor. I said, yes, I pastor Social Dallas. He said, okay, uh, driver's license. Give me your insurance. I said, okay. And he did, you know what they always do. He said, sit tight. And so we went, and I was there, and that's exactly what I did. I sat tight. And I was just waiting. You've been there before, waiting to see what he was going to come back with. And I was praying in my soul that he would come back with just a warning, saying, it's all right. You're a man of God. Keep preaching the gospel. And I waited, and man, he came back with a whole ticket. I'm talking about the one that looked like the Ten Commandments. I signed it with an attitude. And I was mad, but he was right. I deserved a ticket because I did a violation. I deserved it. I wanted a warning because isn't that what we all want? We all want a warning. I guess the challenge is if you're the officer, if all they do is give out warnings to everybody, it will jeopardize the safety of other drivers that are driving. And so the tension of every officer is to go, when do I give a warning and when do I give a ticket and make you pay. I know that all of us aren't officers in here, but I have learned that life brings violations. 
the road of life brings violations, and all of us actually have a decision to make whether we are going to let it go or whether we're going to choose to make them pay. Has anybody ever felt that tension between justice and forgiveness? Oh, that is a real tension. Because let's be honest, all of us demand urgent justice, but we also have a deep desire for forgiveness. Oh, we want justice. If there's ever been a time, especially in our culture today, people want justice. We'd be the first one to put a hashtag on it and get our signs. We want justice. We gotta have justice. And don't let the infraction be on us. We really need justice. And there's nothing wrong with that. How many of you know the reason you even have a desire for justice is because you were created in the image of God and your God is a God of justice. Oh, God has always been a God of justice. Even in the book of Genesis, he lets us know that blood speaks when we see the first murder in the Bible. God is a God of justice and he wired that justice on the inside of you. The tension is I want justice, Ooh, but also when, when, I, when I've messed up, I, I want forgiveness. The same hand that I'm saying, give me justice when I've jacked up, that's the same hand that's like, hey man, <laughs> you know we all mess up. <laughs> Can I please get some forgiveness? And isn't that one of the hardest things to do? To give the forgiveness that you want yourself. Forgiveness is a double-edged sword because it is so easy to ask for it, but it's way more difficult to give it. I felt it was incumbent upon me to preach this because I love that your pastor did six weeks of powerful collection of talks. I hate you, but it's killing me. How many of you listen to every single message? If you had, you better go back and listen to it. Because forgiveness is at the core of our faith. It is at the core of the gospel. We serve a God who died on a cross, the only one who was truly innocent. And he did not from the cross say, Father, get him. They know what they did. He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. You can't be a believer and not live a life of perpetual, consistent forgiveness. Oh, and it is so hard to do. Not only is it hard to forgive, it's hard to figure out what to do even after you've forgiven. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like, just because I've forgiven you, does that mean we BFF now? Just because I've forgiven you, does that mean I got to go to lunch with you now? Just because I've forgiven you, does that mean I have to unblock you and unrestrict you on the ground now? How does it look? How does it look? How do we play out forgiveness? How do you define it? And even if I do get to the place of forgiveness, who I can't forget. That's the challenge is even if I get to forgiveness, I can't forget what you did to me. Especially me. I got a good memory. I remember everything. Even God can forget. Read Micah 7 when you get to the crib. This is the beauty of our Savior. He has the ability to forget. He said, I can throw your sin into the sea of forgiveness. Forgetfulness. Some of y'all are tripping thinking God's going to bring up your past. No, he actually has the ability to forget all your ratchet, jacked up, messed up mistakes. He can forget it. Doesn't hold it against you. He can do that. I can't. Even if I could throw into the sea of forgetfulness, if you start acting funny, please believe I'm going deep sea fishing. Oh, deep sea. I'm like, oh, you said what? No, see, you forgot. Hold on. Let me remind you. No, you forgot. No, I remember it happened in 2012. Let me bring it back. <laughs> I cannot forget. Look at our Savior. 
who has the ability to forget. And it brings me to this text today in Genesis chapter 50, verse number 20. We are in the room with Joseph, who is with his brothers who betrayed him. And he chooses to give forgiveness, but he has not forgotten. And look at what he says in this moment. He says to them, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. I love this passage. I love this passage. And those of you who are super saved and you're proud Sunday school alumnus, I mean, you know the story of Joseph. I mean, when I read he meant it for evil and God will turn it for good, you started shouting because you know the story of Joseph. You're like, bro, we already been there, heard the sermon, heard the series, heard the podcast, got the t-shirt. I know that Joseph was the favorite son of his father. I know that he went to the pit and then went to the prison and went to the palace and he foreshadows who Jesus is. I know about Joseph. Well, there's some people who don't. And some of y'all in here, when it's when I talk, talk about Joseph, you're like, wait a minute, that, that, that Jesus' stepdaddy. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right, Joseph and Mary. That's a different Joseph. <laughs> that Joseph came later. This Joseph, <laughs> this Joseph, uh, this Joseph is the 11th son of Jacob, of the 13 total sons that he had between two wives and two side chicks. That's in your Bible. God uses broken people. <laughs> and Joseph is the favored son of his father, Joseph. And what I find, Joseph is the favored son of his father, Jacob. And what I find intriguing about Joseph is he takes up more biblical real estate in the book of Genesis than Father Abraham, than Moses, than, than Noah. 25% of the book of Genesis is talking about this one dude named Joseph. Why in the world would God choose to spend one-fourth of Genesis talking about one single dude? I think I know why. He wants us to know the law of 50-20. He wants us to know this principle that the evil intentions of other people cannot supersede nor can they override the good intentions of God. He wants us to know that your God is sovereign and that no matter what has happened to you, God is able to take it and use it for your good. It is the law of 50-20. I'm telling you, if you could get this principle that there is no evil intention of other people that can override or supersede the plan of God for your life. The law of 50-20 will change your life forever. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for God. Ooh, it's easy to shout about that, but let me let you know, it took Joseph 22 years to say that. It took him 22 years from the betrayal to the time that he saw the ones that betrayed him. It took him 22 years to get to the place where he said, you know what? You meant it for evil, but I know that God meant it for good. What are you saying, Robert? I'm saying sometimes it takes time to get perspective on the pain in your life. It takes time to get understanding on why you went through what you went through. I'm talking to somebody that's going through pain right now, and you got the knife in your back right now and you don't see how God could use it for your good right now. God sent me from Dallas to tell you, keep on living. Keep on trusting. There's going to come a day where God is going to open the eyes of your understanding and you're going to realize, oh, that's why I had to go through that. Oh, that's why they had to break my heart. Oh, that's why they had to walk away. Come on, I want to encourage somebody's faith today to let you know that there will come a day where God is going to make it make sense either on earth or in heaven. He will make it make sense. Oh, 
somebody needs to just take a praise break and thank God that he will give you perspective on the pain that you went through. It just takes time sometimes. But when you're in it, it's hard to comprehend it. When you're in it, it's hard to see how in the world them walking away could be for your good. When you got ghosted, it's hard to get perspective and go, whoo, God, thank you that they didn't call me back. I wouldn't get the spouse that I was supposed to have if they hadn't walked away. And the challenge of life is to trust God to connect the dots later. That's what we talked about at Serve Team Conference. By the way, if you're attending this church and you ain't serving, what's wrong with you? Do you see the miracle of what's happening in all these locations? Why would you not put your hand to the plow and serve in this incredible church that is making an indelible impact on Miami and the world? We talked about at the Serve Team Conference, we talked about connecting the dots, connecting the dots. And it takes time sometimes to connect the dots. It took Joseph 22 years to get perspective on it. So I came to tell somebody, it takes some time. I wish it didn't. I wish God would just let you know ahead of time. I wish God would give you some blues clues before the plot twist in your life. <laughs> just like, I could handle so much more stuff if you would let me know ahead of time. Like the day that I meet them, I'm shaking their hand, they're like, Pastor, I'm with you for life. Just let me know right there. No, they got about two years and then they're going to peace out on you. <laughs> I could handle it better. Remember 2020? I could have handled 2020 if he would have told me ahead of time. Oh, I would have had the prayer life ready and toilet tissue. Just tell me. <laughs> tell me before it happens. But you don't, you don't get a warning before the plot twist. And let me tell you something. Joseph's life, full of plot twists. Read it when you get to the crib. Genesis 37 through 50. That man's life could be a major motion picture with all the different plot twists in his life. It's crazy. And I was reading the story again, and I was trying to get him out of the pit, the place where the betrayal started. I started playing this game. You ever played this game? A what if. It's great for, like, the future if you got faith. Like, what if today's the day I get healed? What if today's the day the marriage is restored? What if today's the day I get the breakthrough? It's great for faith. But when you start going backwards for pain, it's kind of scary. That's what I started playing with Joseph, though. I started playing what if. I'm like, man, what, what if this wouldn't happen? And maybe if this wouldn't happen, he wouldn't have gotten, gotten in the pit. I was trying to get Joseph out of the pit of life. You ever played that game? Just going, what if this wouldn't happen? And if they wouldn't walk away? I did that with Joseph. And the first person I blamed was his father. I blamed his father, Jacob, because Jacob favored him over his other brothers. And I said, yo, this is bad parenting. Why in the world would you favor one son over another son? No wonder his brothers felt some type of way. This is your fault, Jacob. You should be a better parent. And if all people should have known what it's like to feel favoritism, it should have been Jacob. He was the one that wasn't favored by his father, Isaac. He knew what it felt like to have a parent that preferred somebody else over you. You would think when he had his own kids, he would have said no favorites at all. But isn't it funny that even when you experience something in your life, you end up perpetuating some of the things that you just saw. Oh, that's why you ought to have grace on some people because sometimes people are just giving you the best that they got. I blamed his father. I said, Jacob, you shouldn't have favored him, so I was mad at him. And then I got mad about this coat. 
this coat. Have you read about this coat? His father not only favored him, but to show the favor, he gave him this bright, loud, colorful Versace coat. And I got so mad at Versace. I think that's in the message translation. This loud coat. And I started getting mad about the coat. I was like, why would you give this boy a coat to wear? Then I got mad at Joseph. I was like, okay, even if your daddy got you the coat, don't wear the coat, Joseph. Obviously, your brothers feel some type of way when you put the coat on. Don't wear, don't post the coat. I got mad at Joseph for wearing the coat. But then I started thinking deeper and said, wait a minute. He didn't go to his dad and ask him for that coat. His father just favored him and gave him that coat. And I started thinking about how the favor of God that's on your life makes other people insecure, makes other people intimidated. I started thinking about all of us that shrink back because the favor on our life makes other people feel small. Then I said, no, nah, never mind, Joseph. Wear your coat. You didn't ask for that coat. Your father just gave you that coat. And somebody needs to take that word today. You need to wear the coat that your heavenly father gave you. You need to be who God created you to be. You need to walk in the fullness of the calling of God that's on your life. Wear your coat. Oh, I feel like preaching in here today. I need you to look at your neighbor and say, wear your coat. Stop dimming your light. Stop shrinking yourself because you are surrounded by small people who feel intimidated when you walk in the fullness of what God has called you to be. Wear your coat. I've just made a decision. I'm about to hit 40. I'm going to wear my coat. You might not like it. You might think it's loud, but I didn't ask for this gift. I didn't ask for this favor. I didn't ask for this grace. I didn't earn it. It was just a free gift that my father gave me. Why would I not wear Wear my coat. You know, I said, no, never mind, Joseph, wear your coat. Wear it. Then I started saying, oh, wait a minute. I know what the problem is. Maybe you shouldn't have told them your dream. You shouldn't have had a dream. But then I started thinking about that. You can't help having a dream. God just gives you dreams. Come on, how, how are you going to not have a dream? Just think in the natural. How are you going to not have a dream? Just stay away. <laughs> you can't not have a dream. God just gave him the dream. So I said, he can't help the dream. Then I started thinking, I said, okay, well, he didn't have to tell his brothers the dream. This is how some preachers preach this text. Be careful who you tell your dream to. Keep your dream to yourself, which I guess works. But then I started thinking, have you ever had a God-given dream? I'm not talking about a fantasy. There's a difference between a dream and a fantasy. A fantasy only benefits you. A dream from God? will benefit generations and will always be bigger than you. It will always serve somebody else. How are you going to be quiet about a dream that God has given you? Is there anybody in here that God has ever given a dream to? If you know God has given you a dream, it is hard to be quiet about that dream. When God gives you a dream, you got to open up your mouth and tell somebody. That's why I'm tripping being here this week because I remember when it was just rendezvous, young adults, and I remember when God put a dream and Pastor Rich and Don Cherie, and to see what started as a dream is now the manifestation of something that ain't even the full picture. It's still just the beginning. Oh, then I said, no, Joseph, don't you ever be quiet about your dream. How many of you know you can't just have a dream? You got to scream your dream. When God gives you a dream, you better have the nerve, the audacity, and the unmitigated goal to scream the dream. I feel a Martin Luther King anointing on me. Somebody needs to start declaring, I have a scream. I got to scream until I see a revival in my 
are restored. I got to scream until Voo Kids starts experiencing revival. I got to scream the dream. Somebody that's got a God-given dream across every location, would you take like 20 seconds and give God some praise for the dream that he put in you? How can I be quiet when the dream comes from God? You've got to scream your dream. If you don't scream your dream, when it happens, there won't be any evidence that you said it. You got to scream it before you see it. Because when it comes to pass, then everybody's going to say, oh, yeah, I always saw it. Did you? <laughs> you got to scream it before you see it. So I'm not even mad about him screaming his dream. That's not what got him in the pit. I guess the challenge that nobody ever talks about is really just the evil and the insecurity that was in his brother's. To hate him just for dreaming? I mean, just because I told you my dream, does that warrant you throwing me in a pit? I mean, do what his daddy did. His dad was like, huh, he kept it in mind. That's what I'm starting to tell people now. I don't care what the dream is. I'm not going to throw you in a pit over the dream. Even if I don't see it, I'm like, huh, I'll keep it in mind. We'll see. That's what I tell people. We'll see. You 5-1 think you're going to be an NBA star? We'll see. <laughs> I'm not going to throw you in a pit over it. You think you're supposed to be on voo worship and you can't hit one good note? We'll see. <laughs> Is it worth throwing him in a pit? Can you imagine walking up to your own brothers, seeing them whisper about you, to jump you and throw you in a pit? Ladies and gentlemen, I've been to Israel. I have seen these wells, I have seen these pits. They are dark and they are deep. This is where they threw their own brother. And the Bible feels the need to tell us there was no water in the pit they threw him in, meaning nothing broke his fall. Please believe when they threw him in there, bones broke. Flesh was lacerated. Just because I told you the dream God gave me, can you imagine? Bones broken, betrayed by your own brothers. And then they pull you out and you're thinking maybe they've changed their mind and they pull you out to sell you into slavery. Sold him for 20 shekels of silver. It was actually the price that people would pay for a handicapped slave. Isn't it crazy the people that broke you sometimes will add insult to injury and devalue you after they're the ones that broke you. Sold him for 20 shekels of silver. And he's experiencing what somebody in this room is experiencing, the pain of a betrayal and being thrown in the pit because I never saw this person walking out on me. I never saw this person cheating on me. I never expected this from you. And they sold him into slavery. And can you see Joseph? He's on the wagon, on the caravan, if you will, headed into Egypt. And this is where you have to get heavenly perspective. Because although he is on this caravan, headed into Egypt, don't forget who's really driving the caravan. It is not the slave drivers. This is where you have to trust the sovereignty of God. 
when you have been through some pain and some things that you cannot help and you're wondering how in the world I've got here, you have to believe that if this is being driven by somebody, it's not just being driven by them, it's being driven by God. And this is the beauty of God is he is able to even use the evil intentions of people to still get you to the place that he wants to get you to. Oh, I came to tell somebody that God's sovereignty has to be your sanity. The fact that he is in control, I got to trust that he is the one that is really orchestrating things. Even when people are doing evil things, he is in control. You are not in control of my life. Never forget when I was a kid, my dad would have me drive sometimes. Be about six years old. My dad's Nigeria. He let me drive in his lap. Today's Nigerian Independence Day. Praise God. <laughs> my dad, he'd let me drive as a kid. I'd be in his lap driving. He's like, okay, let's turn right. I'd be turning, I was like, oh my goodness, okay, turn left. And I'm thinking I'm driving, not knowing my father's hand was on the wheel the whole time. You know what I've learned God will do? Sometimes he'll let the enemy think he's driving through the pain, to the betrayal, and the enemy's like, I got him. I got her. I got her with the hurt. I got her with the betrayal. And God goes, the enemy thinks he's driving. He don't even know that this pain going to push her into a prayer life she ain't never had. He don't even know that that pain actually going to get him in the house of God and have him start taking God seriously. He don't even know that that betrayal is going to make him start standing up and praying for his family. Oh, don't forget whose hand is really on the wheel and who's in control. Joseph gets all the way into Egypt. God's hand is on the wheel, so even though he's sold into slavery, not just anybody picks him, Potiphar picks him because God wanted him to be in the right space and in the right place. God is sovereignly in control. Potiphar picks him here is Joseph, a slave in a foreign land, working for Potiphar. And here's what I love about him. Although his circumstances aren't good, he still has an excellent spirit. Although he's in a bad circumstance, he will not allow his circumstance to affect how he does things with excellence and integrity. You don't know if you have integrity or character until you put in a circumstance that you did not pick for yourself. And he has favor, and God notices him, and the master notices him. But the master's wife noticed him too. Oh yeah, Potiphar's married to a desperate, thirsty housewife. And Sister Potiphar said, look at Joseph, he fine. The Bible says he was fine and handsome. Come on, it's only four people in the Bible that they say are fine and handsome. That's David, Saul, Absalom, and Joseph. Ladies, I'm just saying, when you get to heaven, if there's four dudes you want to look at, <laughs> them four right there. When the Bible says you look good, can't nobody tell you ugly. When your sexy is in scripture, she noticed him. <laughs> she noticed he was handsome. She tried to get him to compromise. Every day, begged Joseph to sleep with her. He still wouldn't lose his character. He wouldn't give his up his integrity. And he gets thrown into a prison, watch this, for having integrity. 
He did not sleep with Potiphar's wife, but she lied on him and his integrity got him incarcerated. This is what nobody likes to talk about in the church, that you can do the right thing and still end up in a wrong place. I'm, ooh, if it was me, and I held my integrity, God, I want to check. Give me a character check, direct deposit. Come down from heaven and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. But the gift of his integrity was incarceration. And here he is in prison for doing the right thing. See, it's one thing to try to forgive the brothers who betrayed you, but what do you do when you take issue with God? You're going, God, why am I here? I did what was right. But Joseph never does that. He keeps his character. What is making him do this is what you hear all throughout his life, no matter where he went. His location changed, but there's something you keep hearing throughout Joseph's life. It says, and the Lord was with Joseph, and the Lord was with Joseph, and the Lord was with Joseph. Oh! I came to tell somebody that's in a dark place, as long as he is with you, you are going to make it. It doesn't matter if you're in the palace, if you're in the pit, if you're in the prison. Oh, as long as he's with you, how many are thankful for the promise that he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you. God was with Joseph the whole time. And because God was with him, when he got faced with the opportunity to get his brothers back, when now he's gone from the prison to the palace, he's second in command, and he's facing the same brothers who betrayed him. Ooh, if it was me, God's working on me. If it was me, I'm saying, oh, how y'all doing? I don't know if you notice, things have changed. Got a new coat. <laughs> and I want to introduce you to a pit. This has been prepared for you. Now Joseph, he knew the law of 50-20. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. He knew that the evil intentions of other people cannot supersede or override the plans of God. Oh, that ought to give somebody hope in this place. That ought to give somebody hope. Somebody watching in Everglades right now. You're in a prison, but you need to know God is with you. There is no evil intention that can ever thwart the plan of God. He can mix it and take it all for your good. Oh, it's the law of 50-20. I need somebody with some faith across every location. Would you stand up on your feet and give God some praise? and thank him for the law of 50-20. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Stay standing. Can y'all put it on the screen? I want to change Vu Church into Sunday school class today as we close. Sunday school, we used to have a little memory verse, and I want you to remember the law of 50-20. Look at what it says. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Can we say that across every location? Say, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. My bad, I jacked you up. Let's say it together. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. You meant it.
it for evil, but God meant it for, say it with your chest, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Say it again. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. That's the law of 5020. Put it back up. I got two more minutes. You know what I love about that law? My favorite thing is the comma and the but. Because comma means pause, catch your breath. See, never put a period where God has put a comma. Some of you have put a period on the pain in your life, and that's why you keep rehearsing it and you can't forgive. You meant it for evil, not period, comma. Comma means pause, catch your breath, there's more coming. Comma, you know what a comma is? You can't make a comma like this. If you ever make a comma, you gotta turn it a little bit. That's what God wants to do in your life. He's got the power to turn the evil thing for your good. He can turn your mourning into dancing. He can turn your sorrow into joy. He can turn it. But, can we put but up there? Yeah, but. I like but because that is a conjunction. I didn't always know what a conjunction was. But thank God for a little old school show that some of y'all might have watched that let me know conjunction, junction. Somebody watch Schoolhouse Rock. What's your function? Hooking up phrases and clauses and making them sound right. But connects what happened before to what happened after. But, 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 hear me, is an adversative conjunction, which means whatever follows but will always supersede what happened before it. But God meant it for your good. I don't want to minimize the pain of what you went through before, but I do want to maximize the power of a God that can supersede and override and use every hurt and every pain for your good. Would you bow your heads with me across every location, Father? Thank you for what you've been doing in this community. Thank you for this message that you've been driving in to Voo Church that we cannot hold on to the bitterness. We cannot hold on to the unforgiveness. Father, thank you for the law of 5020. Thank you that there is no evil scheme or plan of man that can ever override or supersede your purpose for our lives. God, let this be a revival of forgiveness in this community. God, help us to not just rehearse the hurt and the pain but Lord will we fix our eyes on the cross that you hung between two thieves you truly did no wrong you said father forgive them they know not what they do Lord I thank you that as forgiveness flows to us it can flow through us to somebody else help us see how forgiven we are so that we can be conduits of forgiveness 
to those around us. In your mighty, matchless name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's message. At VU, we believe we weren't meant to do life alone. We've been created with a unique purpose and designed to live in relationship with Jesus. If you've never surrendered your life to him, we want to create an opportunity for you to do so today. If you want to say yes to Jesus, would you pray this with me? Dear Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I trust you with my past. I ask that you guide me in my present. And I even place my future in your hands. I'm yours, Lord, now and forever. In Jesus' name. You made the decision to follow Jesus today. We want to partner with you in the next steps on your faith journey. Go to vuchurch.com/online. We love you.